0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you on a Monday evening talking golf once again, as usual in our new Monday evening time slot. Uh, means we've got another golf tournament coming up this week, uh, the Charles Schwab Challenge. We can take a quick look back at last week's PGA Championship, which was a wild and crazy event. Uh, with a weather edge and uh, lots of stuff to look back on. So I am Justin Manzuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. I've got Derek Farnsworth, a.k.a. Notorious, alongside me. Noto, what's going on for you?
1: Oh, not much. Uh, I absolutely loved uh, the tournament. I thought it was awesome. Um, There's nothing better than just sitting on your couch on a Sunday watching major championship golf for, you know, five hours. So uh, absolutely enjoyed it. Had some terrible DFS lineups was rooting on Zala Torres, uh, couldn't end up getting the job done. But, uh, yeah, I thought the course was awesome. I thought the leaderboard, you know, was missing a few big names. But, uh, yeah, ended up being a pretty good Sunday.
0: Yeah, I did a single entry in the bigger contest as opposed to a bunch of entries last week, uh, and it was just, it was all looking good. Man, if I could go back to Thursday morning at like 11 a.m., I was sitting there with a list of five players on my roster, all of them T9 or better. I'm thinking, boy, we're just going to cruise to at least a pretty good finish here. And the one player that I had in the afternoon wave was Patrick Cantley. He was my pick to win. So even though it was in the, the worst wave, I figured I'll play one guy. The weather edge isn't looking as big. And then Cantley just did absolutely nothing. Probably the two worst rounds of golf I've seen from him uh, in terms of, you know, everything from approach to putting and it just see he, he was just off all over the place. And then I uh, had Noren that uh, didn't do anything Friday and missed the cut. And then I had Mito and Zalatoris on that team who both – thankfully, if I would have had a 6-6, six to six, I, I can envision that probably would have ended up in some sort of bad beat uh, with having Mito and, and Zalatoris and not having Thomas. So I uh, suppose that's good in the end, but uh, some cash was would have been better than the, the zero that I ended up with. But it was just a really strange kind of tournament that if you had guys that simply couldn't get anything going – uh, it was pretty easy to, to slide down the, uh, the cut line. And for those of you who, who didn't join us, we were doing these new Twitter spaces on Wednesday nights for the bigger tournaments. and we talk a little bit more betting on there. And the one thing that we talked about quite a bit was that DraftKings had the cut line set at 146 and a half, which was six and a half strokes over par. So even at plus six for a cut line, the under bet would have won. And we talked about that being one of the best bets on the board. Uh, turns out the conditions were tough and the cut was still only came in at plus four. So uh, that bet was a, a nice, easy cash for those of you that joined us on the uh, Twitter spaces. Hopefully some of you got in on that, but uh, otherwise, you know, make sure to check those out. If you're interested in the betting stuff as well as the DFS, uh, we're going to do those on Wednesdays for the bigger tournaments, but uh, it, it was just an event that, you know, you had guys like Scheffler and uh, Norrin and, you know, some other bigger names that uh, just simply couldn't make any birdies. We talked before the show about Corey Connors uh, was just terrible on approach and can't lay. Uh, so, it, you know, the, the people who stacked the morning wave, it did end up working out to about a two-shot edge in terms of the weather. So those are a few of my early takeaways. Uh, of course, Mito Pereira, who our projections I've just loved for weeks, uh, Christian Mino has been wondering why it's pumping up Mito so much. It was just ahead of its time. The, the projections model has been on the ball with Mito. It's tough to see him uh, kind of blow uh, the the tournament there on the 72nd hole, but that 18th hole got a lot of guys throughout the week just magnified with the situation that Mito was in and ended up being a big comeback from from JT because he didn't implode like the others did. So your thoughts on uh, on some of the takeaways from the tournament?
1: Yeah, you have to feel for Mito a little bit. I mean, uh, someone that was uh, on the course when they, uh, he, he had that swing on 18 said it looked like he got electrocuted the moment, uh, you know, he made impact with the ball. It was a very awkward swing. Yeah. And I think, you know, in that moment, who knows what the pressure's like. Everything just gets brushed. And uh, th- I think he just wanted to get his part and get out of there. Um, so I definitely feel for him. You know, he still had a chance to get in the playoff, just hit a bad chip uh, and then couldn't make the putt. But, I mean, for me, it was kind of like he was bleeding uh you know or he was losing some gas emptying some oil throughout the round i mean he only hit eight greens he ended up making a bunch of up and downs when he was short-sighted so um yeah i mean just thomas was certainly the best of the bunch everyone else kind of fell back like you mentioned i was rooting for zalatoris uh the guy just loves major championships loves difficult golf courses he has a game for it and he made some incredible up and downs as well uh, on those two par threes on the front both of them, he blasted like 30 yards over the green. I didn't understand. Uh, he and Fitzpatrick both did the same thing on those holes, um, so I don't understand what was going on there. But uh, made some great up and downs, gave himself a shot, um, and I also enjoyed the the three hole playoff. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I was thinking, I was just watching it on my phone because my little man had the had the TV covered. So uh, I was thinking, hey, Zalatoris has a chance to win it here, um, but then obviously he didn't. They both ended up birdieing. And then JT just so locked in. You got kind of got the feeling that if it went to a playoff that he was going to win. Um, he just pipes his drive on 18. Hits a great approach shot. At the time, you were thinking he was going to sink the putt to force a playoff. Ended up missing it, not mattering anyway. But, yeah, uh, awesome tournament. Uh, what are some of your takeaways? Yeah, I thought
0: it was uh, it was just an impressive round by thomas to just hang in there when guys were making bogey and it's not like he shot you know 10 under or anything like that the field pretty much came back to him and you know like you i had wrote up zal torres for scores and odds as a one of my top picks to win and he's gonna he's gonna be the next louis uh second again you know coming up second in, in a lot of majors and uh, yeah. get nice paychecks for that i suppose but Uh, you you just feel like the the win is coming at some point for him and so yeah I was kind of rooting for him as well but uh, just the way that you know the course played and two three shots over par kind of on average for most rounds uh, it it really did at times feel like a U.S. Open and that's kind of what we talked about with the cooler temperatures and you know just the way that the course was set up uh, that it was going to be difficult for these guys to to pack a bunch of birdies. We talked about both par fives being 600 plus yards last week. Uh, one of them, uh, the one on the back nine, 13, I think it was, uh, ended up being reachable in two. A couple days when it was downwind, and if you had had hit, still had to hit two really really good shots. But um, it, it was just a course that there weren't a lot of holes that you could go out there and say, oh yeah, this is a birdie hole. And they made the one short par four drivable a couple days. Uh, but it was just a tournament where Parr ended up being a good score on a lot of holes and, you know, ended up feeling like he us open a little bit long, challenging. And it, it was really interesting to see, you know, it, when you figure it's OK, it gets a little damp. It's playing a little longer to see Fitzpatrick be able to hang in there. He's obviously not the longest off the tee uh, faded a bit on Sunday as well. But um, Cameron Young, maybe the one guy we haven't really talked about yet that just keeps on pumping out impressive finishes and for him to just be doing all this in his first time, you know, seeing a lot of this pressure and a lot of these tournaments really, really impressive. And he ended up finishing just one stroke out of the playoff too. Now it was a little bit, his rounds were a little weird. I went and looked back at his putting stats, Uh, minus 1.9 putting on Thursday, plus 2.2 putting on Friday, plus 3.6 putting on Saturday Saturday and minus 1.8 putting on Sunday. So still came out to a really solid week with the putter, which is part of, you know, what kept him up there. But uh, really impressive to see him be able to just pump out a, a top five finish at a major. So everyone's going to talk about Thomas. Everyone's going to talk about Zalatoris and, and Mito. Um, you know, without some of those storylines, I think a lot more people will be talking about what Cam Young did. So that was another takeaway for me.
1: Yeah, I continue to get him wrong. I uh, ended up playing <laughs> just a little bit of him last week, and I was so impressed on Sunday. He uh, was in some really tough spots, and he's not doesn't have the best around the green numbers uh, for the season, but uh, he made some great up and downs on Sunday to kind of keep his round going. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just kind of started playing him every week. Seems like it's only a matter of time before he gets that win. He's also really good friends with Zalatoris, so um, it'll be fun to see, you know, who gets their first win first between those two. Uh, what I mean, what what do we think of Rory's performance? I mean, he was five hundred through eleven holes on Thursday, and then just completely falls apart Friday, Saturday, and then has the big charge on Sunday, like he always does once he's out of contention. I just, what what do you think about Rory at this point? Yeah, he can't put four rounds together
0: when he's out front. I, I don't know if it's a, and it seems like it always triggers like between rounds, like that first round is one of the <clears throat> one of the best rounds you'll see in. Uh, granted the conditions were a little bit easier when he was out there playing on thursday but still he was playing with speed who shot two over on thursday and tiger was what three or four over after the first round so you know and rory just went out there birdie four holes in a row got the six under uh, made a couple bogeys and still came back and made like a 20 footer on his last hole to finish minus five and then he gets out there friday and just does nothing just one birdie 42 percent driving accuracy so you know you're only hitting what five or six fairways um and it's just that if you're out of position on that course you're not gonna be able to make a lot of birdies and then of course yeah 74 on saturday and then he does the usual sunday charge but what everyone talks about if he was ahead by three shots going into sunday then that's when you'd see the 74 so i think a little bit of it is just weird freak stance uh, that it always seems to happen in the rounds where he's out front but at some point it becomes more of a thing and not just you know if you're totally data driven it's really hard to 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 reconcile the thoughts behind while it always happens to Rory when he's out front so I don't know uh eighth place finish is a nice paycheck but you know it's eating at him and you know mental golf is a mental game and there's got to be something to that
1: at this point Yep, and then uh, Tiger, kind of sad to see him. I mean, we were getting reports on Monday and Tuesday that he was looking great, you know, walking without a limp and all this stuff, and then Wednesday we got reports that, you know, he was kind of laboring around the course, and clearly the back night Thursday didn't look good, and then Friday was worse. Saturday was even worse than Friday. So, man, I'm, we want to think that, you know, his legs is going to progressively get better, but what if this is 100% it's just going to be hit or miss moving forward? Uh, it's, it's sad. I mean, I'm hoping – He's going to be able to, you know, play a little bit more golf moving forward. But that uh, that definitely worries me. And then, you know who led the field? Then Tita Green. I couldn't believe this when I heard it. Cam Smith.
0: Yes, I did see that today. I forgot. And then now that you mentioned it, he just didn't make any putts.
1: Yeah, the guy that uh, made everything a couple months ago. So, kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, he was uh, minus three and a half strokes with a putter just on the weekend and you know he makes a few more of those and he's in that mix as well. I mean, you had the top 19 players ended up being separated by five shots uh because nobody could pull away at the top. That was another thing we talked about last week if the scoring conditions are difficult, you might you, you might see one person run away with it, which could have happened. I mean, there were so many chances Rory could have run away with it, Mio could have run away with it, uh but nobody did. And so you're either going to see one or two guys run away from the field, or you're going to see a bunch leaderboard. And that bunch leaderboard is what we saw, and that's what allowed Justin Thomas to come back from seven shots back uh, to win the tournament. So kudos to him. Uh, certainly a, a win that uh, that he'll remember for a while. And uh, lots of storylines with these young golfers uh, that were all kind of in the mix. And uh, your boy Fleetwood there with a top five as well. So uh, it paid off. You played some of him last week
1: yeah uh one of the only sources of money that i got back was uh fleetwood top 10 and a little bit in dfs although i did catch the uh tiger uh make cut bets so i'm glad he uh glad he waited to pull up he waited that. to withdraw yeah <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it wasn't a great week but i loved the uh, loved the event i thought the course was really cool you know we keep saying that uh the only defense is to have very narrow fairways really thick rough and we didn't have either of them this week granted the wind was up, but thought the course was awesome. Um, Really challenging. A lot of players were complaining about the speed of the greens and the sand and whatever, but Hey, I mean, it's, it's part of the game. So I I thought it was a cool course.
0: Yeah. I was surprised. It kind of got as much Of course, I guess, whenever it, it it plays difficult. A lot of these guys now on the tour just aren't used to that. You just don't see a whole lot of those courses. So it plays the same for everybody. Everybody's playing the same course and uh, it certainly was a fair test. So, Uh, No complaints here either. All right, let's go ahead and move ahead. Uh, Enough of the uh, recap. We'll uh, move forward here to the Charles Schwab challenge tournament. That's changed sponsors quite a bit through the years, but uh, played uh, usually around this time of year, all the time at colonial country club. So uh, we've got like seven decades of course history on colonial, plenty of data to look at. If you're a course history buff, Uh, we got that in droves this week. So Uh, It's a course, ironically, that I've seen some golfers compare to Southern Hills. I think Jordan Spieth said that Southern Hills was colonial on steroids. So maybe uh, a benefit for a lot of these guys that played last week with a similar type of course, another difficult course. So uh, what do you make of colonial here?
1: Yeah, I think the difficulty might be somewhat similar. The green size is similar. The green uh, type of grass is similar. It's well bent bank grass. But, uh, I mean, you can't get any different off the tee. You know, we saw 40-yard wide fairways at Southern Hills. This is about 27 yards wide, some of the most narrow fairways that you're going to see on the PGA Tour. And you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, club down off the tee. Uh, I mean, Kevin uh, Kevin Kisner and George Spieth have all won here. So, clearly, you know, off the tee doesn't matter all that much. And then, uh, yeah, you're going to see a lot of, you know, mid-irons and wedges, um, a lot more approach shots from 125 to 175 than you typically see on the PGA Tour. And yeah, I mean, for me, it's just about, you know, getting it in play off the tee and then everything else, you know, from second shot in Um, the greens are going to be tough to hit because they are small. So scrambling matters, putting matters, approach play always matters probably more than most weeks this week. And yeah, course history is pretty predictive year in and year out. So guys that uh, have played well here in the past tend to play well um, each and every year. And I saw you had an interesting note in the survey um, about that as well.
0: Yeah. First, last first time winner to win here with Sergio Garcia 21 years ago. Uh, so, you know, we've got all these good young golfers that have been coming up and playing this for the first time over the last three, four five years, and nobody's won it in their first appearance. A couple have come close, but uh, just goes to show you that this is a course, another one that, and it's not surprising with a more challenging layout that uh, experience tends to to benefit more. So no first time winners, for 21 years here. Uh, we'll see if anybody can, uh, can buck that trend. I think it was uh, Morikawa a few years ago was tied second in his debut. So close, but uh, not quite there. So, yep. Don't totally agree on the experience angle being a factor this week. So yeah.
1: right. Just 20- 2020 was also the COVID year where this was like the first event back. So I think it was played in July or August and, uh, Anyway, so it played a little bit differently, I think.
0: And had a stronger, significantly stronger field yeah. uh, for, for that go around as well. All right, let's go ahead and uh, start digging in. We've got a uh, fairly strong field for the week after a, a major. Kind of surprised me to see a lot of these big names in the field. We might see some changes. We wouldn't be surprised to see a withdrawal or two, so keep an eye on that. Uh, Bubba Watson, I believe, was in the original field, and uh, now I've forgotten his injury. He tweeted it this morning. Now I forgot. You re- Did you happen to see that?
1: I Bubba's see hurt- I didn't see that.
0: Yeah, I'm going to find it here.
1: Yeah, I just got to find the tweet. He was my fate in the survey, so I better go change well, that. Yeah,
0: better change yeah. that because that's a pretty easy one. Uh, torn meniscus in his knee. He's out for about uh, uh, one to two months, so no Bubba in uh, the field anymore. Jason I wonder if
1: he up on Sunday.
0: <laughs> yeah, he said he had it examined after the tournament, and then there you go. Uh, all right, so we've got our usual, again, five, six golfers above 10K on DraftKings. We do have projected ownership up nice and early this week. Uh, we've got uh, Hovland, Zalator, Spieth, Morikawa, Thomas, and Scheffler above 10K, uh, who are a couple of your favorites at the top.
1: Uh, hard for me not to go back to Jordan Spieth, a uh, guy that always plays well in Texas and let down to the first major, went out the next week and won the RBC heritage, um, let down last week, but I think he gained 8.6 strokes T to green. Once again, it was all the flat stick. He lost 3.2 strokes with the putter. So, uh, yeah, I'll go back to Jordan Spieth. He's one year before he's got a couple of seconds as well. Uh, three, three seconds actually. So 10, four, I like the discount there. This is a rare week where the model actually likes speed at this price point. Uh, so I was surprised by that. Don't know what to do with Justin Thomas coming off the win. It kind of feels like he he's just been grinding forever to get that win. He's been so close since the last year's players. So maybe he just keeps it going. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll have a little bit of him. But I'm going to be probably a little bit lower on Zala Torres and Scheffler. I don't have anything against them. Just, uh, you know, can't play everyone up here. And then I'll play a little bit of Hovland just because he's such a good ball striker and he's, he's kind of the forgotten one right now. What's uh, what's his projected ownership right now? Hovland's. Yeah.
0: So right now we actually have him as the highest owned golfer in the field. Um,
1: um, then not, if that's the case.
0: I'm not sure if that will hold. Obviously these are very early numbers, uh, but we've got Hovland and Spieth as the top two at the moment. So um
1: I don't know. That surprised
0: me too. I wasn't expecting him to be that high.
1: Yeah. That'd be strange to see him twice as owned as Zalatoris, but um, yeah, maybe I'll just play uh, some sub 10% JT. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Everyone's
0: the narrative is going to, it's really easy to say, well, Thomas and Zalatoris and they were in the playoff and the major and, you know, now they're just going to be exhausted and let down city and all that stuff. So I don't know. Really interesting. But if those numbers hold, I might buck my usual trend and and play Thomas the week after a major. Pretty hard to ignore his numbers uh, if he's the lowest owned of the bunch. So uh, otherwise, I, I like Morikawa. I think his game's a great setup for this course. Uh, you know, his Tita green play is going to shine here. And again, his two trips, uh, second and fourteenth, I believe the first two times he's played here. So uh, Morikawa, I like and uh, can't disagree with uh, with Spieth given the circumstances as well. So. Uh, pretty solid top range. Mix and match them how you like them. Pretty hard to find fault with a lot of them unless we see a, a, another withdraw, obviously.
1: Are we gonna get burned by Sheffler again?
0: Probably. That seems to be the way. Although last week he didn't burn us. Yeah, so true.
1: um we're even. We just need him to miss that's, five right, more that's
0: right. That's right. Maybe we buy this is the time we buy back in uh to to Scheffler. All right, let's go ahead and move down into the 9Ks. Uh, Not as many golfers here as usual. We've actually only got the same amount of golfers in the 9K range as we did in the 10K range. Worth noting, um, we only have 120 golfers in the field this week because it's an invitational tournament. Uh, So we don't have the 144, the 156. We've only got 120. So it's a smaller field this week, uh, and you will generally see a, a larger percentage of six to six lineups. The last week, the percentage was pretty high um with most of the chalk other than a couple making the cut Uh, so anyway we don't have as many 9k options as usual who are you liking in that range
1: uh this is typically where i like to start lineups but i think i'm going to be underweight on a lot of these guys uh homa he's been playing great but he just feels overpriced to me i like some of the guys in the ak's a little bit more than him you know straight up answered played great last week but I mean, prior to that, he hadn't had a top 30 since October. So I don't know if that was just a flash in the pan or something we can continue to expect. Uh, he does live in Texas and he does have a couple, you know, T-14s here the last two years. So maybe a little answer, but if he just had like a, you know, 35th place finish last week, he would be a lot cheaper than this, I would think. I like Finau. Um, he's been playing better. He's gained 21.8 strokes to the degree in his last three starts. Um, and he's a guy that does play. Difficult course as well. Good track record here as well. Uh, and then I'll go back to Berger. He burned me last week, but I just think he's a good course fit. He's won here before. It was the COVID year, but he backed it up with a T20 here last year. And he's one of those guys doesn't have a weakness in his game. So uh, I kind of like those guys on difficult courses.
0: Yeah, I, I think this range is all right. Um, maybe a little higher on it. In general, than you are, but I don't think there's anybody that's a must roster in here. Um, The one thing that was encouraging, Tony Finau was second in the field on Sunday in uh, Strokes Gain T to Green last week. So uh, he actually shot two under while losing a stroke and a half with the putter um, on Sunday. So I think that was a positive sign for Finau. His T to Green numbers are solid. Um, Made that charge on Sunday to at least get a top 30. Uh, so I'm okay with him in this field at 9,100. Uh, and I like Burns as well. I, I think he's an interesting name. I'll keep an eye on his ownership. I have him tagged up for now in our lineup HQ tools. Um, speaking of, you notice that uh, during the show, we'll talk about our tags. Sometimes we'll talk about our project, projected ownership. Uh, if you want access to that, we do it all through the Grinders lineup HQ tool. Uh, which normally a lot of those features are only accessible with the Roto Grinders premium subscription. If you want to try that out, we are offering it this weekend for free for baseball. So uh, in uh, celebration of Memorial day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, you can get three full days to, to give that lineup HQ, a test drive. Uh, And if you like it, then, uh, you know, sign up for a premium subscription and uh, maybe get PGA premium and, and use those same tools for golf. Uh, So Anyway, heads up for those of you who are interested, the uh, lineup HQ free this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, for Memorial Day weekend baseball.
1: All right, anything else in the 9Ks for you? No, not really. I do I do like Burns. Um, that's a good call there. But uh, for the most part, probably just Fiend Allenberger.
0: All right. I don't have a problem limiting the exposure to that uh, tier. Again, I, I like it. Uh, but right now we've got Homa as one of the highest owned. If he's going to be super chalky at 9,400, I think I'll pass. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the reasons to maybe be hesitant with the answer. Uh, M, you know, with injury concerns, etc. cetera, you can maybe thin out that range a little bit. So let's go ahead and move into the eight case. Really interesting names in here. We mentioned Fleetwood strong finish last week, always tends to be up and down, but Now the ownership will pour back to him. Webb Simpson had a really good week. He struggled with injury for much of the year. So uh, I think if you're just looking at stats, obviously Simpson isn't going to pop, but if he's healthy and back to to his normal form, he's uh, an interesting target. Uh, Mito, uh, we obviously know where he's been the last few weeks and what he's been able to do. How will he recover from that 72nd hole? Uh, Davis Riley had a pretty strong week. So this isn't the strongest, the deepest field. So it does start to thin out in here a little bit, but uh, no shortage of talking points. So what do you like in the AKs?
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to play Fleetwood, but I like Fleetwood when he's 7,500 and low-owned. I don't like him when he's 8,800 and going to be high-owned in uh, the first time he's ever played this course, at least in the last five years I don't have any Record for him uh, at this event. So I don't know. I like Gooch a little bit more. Played really well last week. Uh, And I went and looked through, you know, his game log. So his last 12 events, he's missed a cut three times, but every time he's made the cut, he's finished in the top 30. So a guy that when he makes the cut, he's going to grind on the weekend. I always love that, especially for tournaments. So I do like Gooch quite a bit. Don't know what to do with Webb. I don't think I'll, you know, chase that until we see a couple weeks in a row. I don't think I'll go to Mito. Um, Just there's no way to know, you know, how he's feeling right now, how it's going to impact his performance. People want to play him. Uh, I get it. The ownership is certainly going to be enticing. Uh, but my model likes, uh, you know, the bottom of the range, Kevin Nodd, 8,100. He's won here before. The recent iron play has been great. He's gained 14 strokes on approach his last three. Uh, we know the short game's good. And this isn't a course where, you know, lack of distance off the tee is going to hurt you too bad. So I like him. And then the model likes Horschel. I never like Horschel, but he seems safe at this price.
0: Yeah, I never like him either. Uh, it does seem I do agree. Uh, seems safe at the price, and he'll surely get out of some uh, trouble with some hero par saves like he usually does. Uh, but uh, does grade out well in our uh, roto grinders projections and in your model as well. So um, bottom part of the range, and Bryson obviously nobody you, you just can't play him right now, even if he stays in the field. Um, because he admits that he's not all the way back. So it wouldn't be surprised if he ends up withdrawing. Um, if he stays in, you know, it's just a wait-and-see approach. Uh, Kokrak and, and Kevin Na might get some ownership as well at the bottom end of this range. Um, looks like our roto Grinders projections like Kokrak a little more. It looks like your model maybe likes Na a little bit more, but uh, certainly guys that, uh, that grade out fairly well, particularly for balance-type builds. Uh, they could fit those, could fit those. All right. So any other thoughts on the eight uh, Ks, any interest in Riley? I think he's an interesting one after what he did last week.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. I, I don't have a strong take. First time here, three straight top 15s to see him doing the major was, uh, you know, certainly encouraging. You know, I kind of thought of him, him as more of an easy course specialist, but can't argue with the form. The only thing that I don't love is that, you know, one of his biggest weapons is his driver. So I, I don't know. I think he's. I think he's fine, but he does feel a little expensive
0: he, to me. He, he does. He does feel a little expensive. Um, I, I think he's an interesting tournament play. Would probably be out for me in a single entry or, or a cash yeah. game build. So, um, because I think a lot of people are just going to go to the seven Ks. Munoz is one of the most popular plays last week. I uh, didn't do anything on Sunday, but I mean, he didn't exactly burn you. So, and it seems like he's constantly affordable. Seventy-seven hundred. Uh, Varner at 7,800. Chris Kirk has been one of the most underpriced guys kind of throughout the year at 7,900. Uh, Woodland's gaining more steam again at 7,900. So this is where a lot of people are going to go for one or two of their mid-range plays. Um, you throw, you know, Tom Hoagies had a pretty good year, and all these guys are priced like 77, 78, 7900. We talk about how Buzudin, how now makes a lot of cuts. So uh, you can easily pick a couple guys, and, and a lot of them feel fairly safe from the high end of the 7k range anybody you see in particular in there
1: yeah i love this range love pretty much everyone in this range uh, brian harman gotta start there he's gained 10 strokes on approach his last two starts um i don't think he's ever missed a cut here eight straight made cuts all in the top 35 um you like him on par 70s you like him on shorter courses so I like Harmon. Um, I like Chris Kirk as well. Um, his T to green game has been awesome. Uh, he's gained at least two strokes T to green in 10 of his last 11. He's also never missed a cut here, and he won here back in 2015, I believe. Coming off of a solid week, too, T5 at the PGA Championship. So I like Kirk and Harmon the most, uh, but Varner rates out really well for me. A guy that's been very good with his irons. Um, some decent course history here as well. I like Woodland. He's been playing well. Uh, Tita Green, and he's got two top 15s here in a row. You mentioned Munoz. I don't mind that. Um, Justin Rose finally showed some life last week. I don't think a lot of people will be willing to go back to that well. Um, and then Cameron Trigali, I think he'll be low on. He's probably the the leverage play in this range because, uh, yeah, we have him at 4% right now. He's been playing better. He likes difficult courses. And, uh, yeah, very good putter, especially on Ben Grass. So a lot of, lot of interesting names here. I don't think you can go wrong with pretty much any of them.
0: I saw I was looking through the data a couple weeks ago to try to figure out uh, why Brian Harmon withdrew a couple weeks back. But anyway, that, that's irrelevant to this story. But um, the uh, my hometown event, the John Deere Classic, Harmon plays that every year. And with how weak the field is, if his form keeps improving, I could see the John Deere Classic being the W week for your boy, Brian Harmon. So you, you definitely can't miss out. on. Well,
1: uh, when's that? It better be soon
0: it's the week before the 4th of july so it's
1: uh so it might be like his third win by then
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah june 30th through july 3rd that week so um i don't know i just saw the uh um the tweet that that harman was in the field for the Chandir classic and made me made me chuckle a little bit so all right um I lost my train of thought talking about Brian Harmon and the John Deere classic. Uh, Let's go ahead. And I I agree. I I think that range is, is really solid uh, from 7.6 to 7.9 K. A lot of guys will be somewhat popular in there, but ownership will also spread out to some degree. And then what that brings you is like no ownership on the lower end of the seven K range, whoever you look at, it's probably going to be single digit owned probably from here through the end, because you're going to see a lot of people close their lineups with like a 75 76 70 7700 play I'd rather play a couple of those guys and try to dig too deep so uh, we're not looking at double digit ownership really on anyone the rest of the way is there anybody else above 7k that you think is interesting
1: well one of the names is gonna surprise you patrick reed um i have a little bit of interest in so his driver's been nothing short of terrible i think he's lost a million strokes uh this year off the tee but um everything else is kind of trending in the right direction. Um he's a guy that uh plays well on difficult courses. He's got a top 10 here, played pretty well last week, uh, everything but off the tee. So, I don't hate Patrick Reed. Uh I'll play Kevin Kisner. Typically, he's like 9K um on these shorter tracks, on the ones that he has a good, you know, course history at. So, even though the form is not encouraging at all, um I'll go to Kevin Kisner. Uh, we we talked about this the last couple of months. Just There's eight events where you play Kisner. This is one of them. Um, so I'm going to stick to that for now. CT Pan rates out really well for me. Um, he's been playing some consistent golf. Very good iron player. Um, underrated around the green, too. So if he can have a good putting week, I think he could really surprise some people. And then I think Troy Merritt's going to become the chalk play in this range. I've already seen him tipped up uh, in the betting markets uh, you know, on a number of sites already. So I do think Merritt could get some ownership but a guy that has plenty of upside for tournaments.
0: Yeah. We've talked plenty of times on this show about how, you know, when he makes a cut, he's usually in the mix for a top 30 or so, and he's 7,300. Uh, if you want to pick a guy that's going to play great the first three rounds and then fade on Sunday, you can play Ryan Palmer. Um, it's home course. <laughs> he's going to you know, he'll be in the mix there and then, uh, and then fade on Sunday. So he's had some good events, it just very hit or miss. Um, he's one guy that I tend to get right. Uh, that's pretty rare. So, uh, I'll go back to the well with him at 7,300. Uh, I don't think that's a bad price tag for him. He just, he's like the, the poor man's version of Rory he just needs to put four rounds together. And his blow up round is usually worse than the, the Rory blow up round, but, uh, kind of like those calls on the uh, lower end of the seven K range, throw Palmer into the mix for me as well. Anybody else down there?
1: Are your lineups with Palmer and Patrick Reed, uh, and see where it goes.
0: <laughs> Probably getting one, uh, one guy. One of those two is going to miss the cut, and one of them is going to be in the inside the top five after Saturday, uh, and just uh, just have to see where it goes from there.
1: I will note that uh, Stewart Sink, for whatever reason, just crushes every time, every week after the major. Uh, I don't know if there's anything to it but, um, just look at his record. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. So I don't like him this week. I don't think it's a very good course fit. He's more of a bomber for me, but Hey, uh, maybe he just peaks in time for the majors and gets too nervous at the major that he you know plays well the next week.
0: All right. Uh, let's see if we go down into the six Ks, uh, talk about guys that, uh, you know we we got to talk about on this show. We have got Doug Gim back in the field this week at 6700. So uh you give me Doug Gim at 6700. I'll take that when he was 8k or whatever the random couple weeks. Uh didn't have much interest, but I haven't talked about Doug Gim in like a month and uh so my uh you know uh, the uh royalty fee that he's got to pay me for for talking about him on the show. I got to get got to get the mentions back up. So uh, in all seriousness, I mean, he just needs to figure out the putter. I think if you look at just the last 36 rounds, he's top 20 in the field in tita to green. So uh, it gets pretty weak at the bottom here. So might as well go back to my boy, Gim, at 6,700. Uh, anybody that stands out for you as a potential value under 7K this week?
1: Honestly, I might not play anyone under 7,400 this week and just build ton of balanced lineups. And we've seen not a lot of long shots win here. It's typically those guys at 30 to 50 to one. Um, and and then it's the same guys every single year that play well here. There's not anybody that really rates out that well for me. Uh, Strillman, Glover, Schwab. And I just don't feel great about any of them. So uh, don't mind the game call. Uh, he will need a good putting week, which, you know, you're kind of always hoping for. I think he's a little bit better on bent grass as well. So uh, there's something that's to not really to. saying much. <laughs> there's something to cling on to there, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if you just stick to 73, 7,400 and up, it just seems like there's such a big gap between the yeah, high it, sevens and the sixes.
0: It falls it falls off in a hurry, and that's why you're going to see, you know, such little ownership down here. And again, reminder that we're dealing with just 120 golfers in this field. As opposed to 144 or 156, so less guys to choose from, um, more higher percentage of golfers making the cut, a little bit less of a need to kind of get cute uh, with your your punt plays, just because I mean a lot of these guys down here you're going to have some you're going to have some miscuts in here for sure. So uh, anybody that pops in the model at the uh, punt level
1: uh svensson is always interesting for the model but uh he can't really putter chip so that's a concern uh and that's yeah i mean schwab glover Strelman, that's about it
0: yeah well, again smaller field this week it's not like uh Strelman uh led the field in t green on sunday at uh, at the pga championship now it, this is weird to me because the fact that they include around the green and T to green, I get it, but it's a little, everyone just sees T to green and they think, oh, well, then he just smashed it, you know, on approach and off the tee. Well, Streelman led the field in strokes gain T to green. He was like plus 4.4 4, and it was plus 3.8 around the green. So the, yeah, the actual, that. <laughs> the, uh, the actual off the tee and approach numbers were awful not awful, but I mean, it, you know, basically around even, yeah. uh, but I saw that, that I just sorted my tee to green on Sunday and saw that Streelman was number one. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And then I saw that it was all hero chips, uh, Patrick Reed syndrome, Billy horses syndrome, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. That's where he gained all those strokes. So be somewhat careful if you're looking at the numbers um, that said, I don't, I don't hate Streelman at that salary. I, I think he'll probably end up in my GP people to be honest. Uh, but, but not, Simply because of that, those uh, t green numbers on Sunday. Just want to point that out. So, all right, with that, I think we've been through everything. We can uh, go ahead and call it a week. Uh, gonna try to get a fill-in. I'm on vacation next week, so uh, gonna fill in uh, maybe Honda's or or get somebody to to join us uh, on the show to uh, accompany Noto next week in breaking down the Memorial Tournament. So that's uh, always a fun event as well be sure to check back for that. Uh, I was one year that that the with the memorial it was the you mentioned it coming back from covid year uh, everything was all strange and they played back-to-back events at the same course. So uh, the uh, the the covid return uh, memories are, are starting to come back with some of these events this time of year.
1: Yep, and that was uh, Morikawa. I think you're second here and then one the uh... Not the Memorial, but the Workday right before that. Workday,
0: that was it. I couldn't remember the sponsor of yeah. that, uh, that other tournament in there. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Noto and a uh, TBA co host will be along with you guys next week, and I will be back and see you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and, it's, again, not too far, just a few weeks down the road here, and we'll be talking U.S. Open uh, in the middle of June. So uh, always an action-packed golf calendar. Uh, we'll look forward to the lead up to that in a few weeks and that's probably when our we'll do our next uh, Twitter Spaces broadcast on Wednesdays as well uh, when we get to the U.S. Open there. So, uh, Anyway, we'll call it a week here. Thanks to Noto for joining me. Thanks to Steve for producing and working hard for us behind the scenes. I'm Justin. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, everybody, and good luck with all your golf lineups and we will catch you all later.